Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're growing our knowledge of houseplants and ways we can use them to create cozy environments at home. Neither Jillian or myself have green thumbs yet. So today, we're joined by Marina Olshansky, founder of Vesca Botanicals, which offers consultations, installations, and delivery of houseplants and homes and businesses all across Los Angeles. Welcome, Marina. Thank you. So good to be here. We're thrilled to have you. We are extremely thrilled to have you. We we need help. This is a plant intervention. (laughs) (laughs) Julian and I are the subject, so we need a lot of advice around how to keep our plants alive because we know that they do create such warm and inviting environments at home. And we are really excited to share your wisdom selfishly with ourselves, but also with our audience. I think so many people got a lot of houseplants during the pandemic and, you know, weren't completely prepared for the amount of of them, um, especially now that people are going back to work and can't care for them every day. So I think a lot of people need extra help right now. Well, my snake plant that's shriveling up in the corner is nodding along in agreement with you. (laughs) Before we plot our rescue of Jillian's snake plant, let's check in with what's making us feel cozy this week. Jillian, kick us off. What's making you feel cozy? I'm a really big Drew Barrymore fan, and this is just recently. I've always liked her from afar, but... I love her talk show and especially her segment. It's called Little Yellow Book, and it's a delightful spin on Oprah's favorite things. So it's just Drew's favorite things. But what's cozy and super sweet about Drew is that she always seems like she's on the verge of tears. And I mean that in a good way, that she (laughs) loves things so much that she just can't contain herself. And it's almost like she's a child trying things for the first time. And she is very childlike because of her you know, upbringing and all of that kind of stuff, but it's manifested in such a beautiful, sweet way. So this week for a little yellow book, it's noodle news. <laughs> it's pasta week. And so she highlighted this sourdough floral printed pasta that is very beautiful and actually very appropriate for this episode. Uh, and she was munching on that pa- pasta and just seemed like she was having the best time of, of, her, of her life. Uh, but other highlights that I think are super cute Deep dives into, would you try pumpkin spice French press coffee? So hardcore investigative journalism there. Uh, Dakota Johnson and Drew share warm and fuzzy movie and TV pics. And then the one they just did today, spaghetti measurers are real and they're spectacular. So check out (laughs) Drew's little yellow book. I share your appreciation for her earnestness and... Yes, definitely ready to open up the floodgates, which I guess makes her such an incredible actor because she has access to that emotion at all times. She's just bursting with love in in every way possible. I just, even with the fun stuff, I just, I find myself crying along with her. I just, I love how she wears her emotions on her sleeve. It's it's really, like you said, it's it's earnest and very heartening, so... Yeah, I was watching a clip of her visit her childhood home from her talk talk show. That's the one I was sobbing to. So Marina probably yeah. thinks like, this one's unhinged. But no, at the, I love to watch YouTube clips for some reason. Like late at night and just get in a wormhole. You're not alone. A lot of us do. Yeah. I know. You know I'm so special. Yeah. Um, but that made me cry because she's also, she's fiercely intelligent and extremely observant. And so 
Matt, I'm sure you share this, but what she was watching, what things that she was saying were just so emotional. You couldn't help but, yeah, cry along with her. That I haven't watched the show yet, but I'm really, really looking forward to it now. <laughs> um, I used to yes. work at this little taco shop like 10 or 12 years ago, and she had a party there one time. It was like a very casual place, and she just walked in and decided to have like a birthday party for her husband there. And she really was the sweetest, most earnest person. She came back a week later and like remembered everybody's name. It was just like the sweetest, most genuine person. Oh, that is a wonderful and so cozy anecdote. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> She's one of those people who I didn't, I was confused at first when she announced her daytime show. Cause I'm like, does Drew Barrymore need a daytime talk show? I, I feel like she has like this amazing film career, but she's perfect for it and it, ma- and it makes total sense she's just such a sweet person mm-hmm. and is perfect for that kind of show yeah she makes people want to open up and makes them yeah. comfortable yeah my cozy thing this week is also a book it's a book i got for my birthday for my husband who knows that i love kitschy holiday stuff in fact anyone who's listening to the show knows that <laughs> <laughs> and so he gifted me a book called holiday jubilee Classic and Kitschy Festivities and Fun Party Recipes by Charles Phoenix. And it really is such a delightful assortment of old Kodachrome holiday slides, like truly the most puzzling floats. You'll marvel that anyone took the time to build them (laughs) there. I would say most of the pictures are kind of like hideously beautiful, like that that kind Mm -hmm. of Americana. You kind of can't believe anyone really wanted such a a saturated... (laughs) (laughs) life every every, all the colors are so bright and bold but all come together in such a nice like cozy package and there are like all these really interesting recipes but I I really love the old-timey photos the most like the glimpse into how people have been celebrating these holidays all across the decades and I do want to shout out one recipe in particular which is for I guess this guy's famous for it the churpumple which is Mm. it's kind of like a turducken um, but for pies and cakes. So it's like, it's three pies. It's a cherry pie, a pumpkin pie, and an apple pie that are baked into each of their own like layers of a cake, like a triple layer cake with frosting and everything. So when you cut it like in half, you see the pies inside the cake, like fully. Mm-hmm. It's um grotesque to say the least, but it's, you can't take your eyes off it. And I, Maybe one day I will be brave enough to make this horrific recipe <laughs> and share uh, all you know what I've learned uh, on the show. But yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. This Charles Phoenix character, he does like to put himself a lot in the photos, but he's always wearing like bright vintage suits and stuff. So he's he's you know making a cheerful appearance all over the book. Well, Charles Phoenix. Definitely sounds like a character. Um, does he have any other related books? Yeah, he has another book of like, that's all just old slides. Like it's called like Americana or something like that. I'm, I'm, I don't have it I'm, uh, at my fingertips, the title. But yeah, he does have a, another book like that. I think he's like a, a personality that really like can come mm. and talk to you about kitschy uh, American celebrations. Marina, how about you? What's making you feel cozy? It was my birthday last week. And oh, happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday. You. Thank you. And I had a very like introverted week since, but I got some, some of the gifts that I got were hot chocolate and a really soft sweater. So I've been spending a lot of time like under my weighted blanket with my, 
my soft fabrics and my hot chocolate and it I don't know it hot chocolate just makes it feel like the holidays which I think is the coziest so cozy absolutely yeah I think you've out cozied us (laughs) yes yes definitely a million times over I made some to you know to really get into the spirit of this podcast so I'm having some right now oh yeah that's that's lovely an introverted birthday is I think the best kind of birthday you just take a moment to really take care of yourself and just appreciate all the little things that you love personally yeah exactly Kind of take stock of the year. And Pisces, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to chime in with that. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, you're outnumbered. I'm also a Pisces, so yes. Jillian's swimming oh, with the fishes Virgo. tonight. Yeah. I think Virgos are like the, I think like the opposite sign or something. I'm not, I'm not the best with astrology, but you know, you're part of the team. Yes. Yes. You're right. <laughs> so we, we definitely find each other. I will, I will say Virgos yeah. and Pisces, definitely. Yeah, that's probably why you guys make such a good team. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My little Pisces, my little fish friend. All right, Marina. So we're really excited to learn more about plant care and also about how you do your business in terms of like actually creating environments that are inviting with plants. And I have to say, since we started this podcast in 2017, Jillian and I have wanted to do an episode dedicated to the coziness of plants. And we're so, so thrilled to finally have an expert on the show to walk us through how we can use plants to make our spaces more inviting and also care for our plants the way that they deserve. We're going to get the, the treatment that Jillian's spider plant deserves and that the succulent <laughs> of mine um, also deserved. Rest in peace. <laughs> Marina, as founder of Vesca Botanicals, you uh, not only consult and install and deliver plants all around LA in homes, but you also do that for businesses too. And I would just want to hear from you. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to such a cozy line of work? Plants kind of started out as a hobby for me. I really, really loved plants, but I wasn't great at taking care of them. So maybe about 10 years ago when fiddle leaf figs became like a really, mm. you know. Oh, yeah. They, they exploded on the scene. They were yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine took me to a restaurant called Mohawk Bend in Echo Park. Oh, we, we know. Yes. Well, it's one of our favorite restaurants. Oh, that's amazing. They had in their back room, they had these gorgeous, enormous um, fiddle leaf figs. And I hadn't had a lot of plants at the time. I think this was about 10 years ago, but I needed one. I like instantly needed one. So a few days later, I went down to um, the plant where all the plants are in the flower district in downtown. I picked one up um, and it instantly started to die (laughs) and not do well at all. And I had this whole huge journey of trying to revive this plant and learn how to care for it. And I just found there was so much misinformation online and from people, you know, and even I would go into nurseries and ask people questions. And I think there's just, there's just a lot of bad advice and people hear it once. And then that's what they share Mm -hmm. with everybody else, you know, and it kind of keeps going. I think the reason for that is that each plant has like their own set of things that they like and don't like, and people start treating them all the same way. And it's also just kind of counterintuitive. Like I think the biggest mistake people make is overwatering, you know, but that's us just kind of trying to love on the plants and care for them. <laughs> um, so it went from a hobby to a profession. 
Yes, yes, exactly. So I kind of had a lot of, I had to, you know, learn on my own. And then I used to manage restaurants. I did that for a really long time. And once I kind of became a plant expert a few years in, and my original fiddly fig was thriving, and I had like 100 other plants that were doing well, I started to do plants for the restaurants I worked at. And then I would also do um, like friends businesses. But it was very part-time, like, you know, every month or every other month, I would kind of, I would take on a job and do that. And then I started to do it a little bit more often and started to work more part-time, but I was always scared to kind of take the leap and do it completely full-time. And then the pandemic happened and it kind of forced me to, because, you know, restaurants weren't a thing for a little while. Um, So I've been doing it full-time since then. And I just feel so lucky to have gotten to work through all of this and, you know, be able to like build my business and just, you know, be able to do it all the time. Yeah. It's like that struggling fiddle leaf you first connected with is your superhero origin story. (laughs) 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 Moving on your life that (laughs) I can see that. And then to take it, you know, full circle, um, last year I went back to Mohawk Bend and redid all of their plants. So yeah, (laughs) that's amazing. So we know that you had the fiddle plant and that kicked you off onto this journey, but currently in your life and on a personal note, is there house plant right now that you feel most attached to? I keep all my inventory in my apartment, which is not very big. So I, I can't have a lot of my own plants, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just always have all the different ones I get in every week. But I do have one Monstera that I feel very attached to that, that I can't give up, mostly because a couple years ago, um, this was right before the pandemic. I went to an event and I brought plants to this event and it was, and there was a room in there where there was a company called, um, I think it was called plant wave. Um, and they would hook these wires up to plants and they would translate the biorhythms of the plant into music. Wow. Yeah. So my, they used my Monstera as, you know, which was already one of my own personal plants. Um, they kind of used it as, you know, the, the test subject. Mm. Um, and so I could just hear it. I could hear the music that it was making it. I don't know. It made me feel like we were communicating, you know. Um, That's incredible. <laughs> yes. No, I'm, I'm having a Drew Barrymore moment where my eyes are willing. <laughs> That's how I'm just imagining it in my head. How How magical. I mean, just hearing this anecdote makes really drives home the fact that plants uh, are just such creative vessels and can do so many things. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, you know, I've heard this before, like online, you know, when they do it with trees and they've done it with some other things, but to like hear it in person and have it be my own plant, I don't know, it just made me feel so connected to it. That's an amazing story. There is that thing, right, where you get attached to plants because you do get to see them grow and develop. And that's really part of the cozy experience of nurturing something and seeing it thrive. I had a succulent that I was never able to identify exactly. <laughs> I, I got it at Sunset Nursery 
over the years, I was able to grow it. Then it sadly got scale. And it was like, you know, cue the death cab for cutie music. (laughs) It's just like, I was armed with neem oil and I was trying. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing worked. Oh, that's so terrible. But still, there was that cozy aspect of like kind of getting to raise that plant for at least for a few years. This is maybe a little bit of a broad, strange question, but I'm curious what you think. Are there any specific varieties of plants that you consider coziest? You know, the first thing that springs to mind for some reason is ferns. Like, I just feel like they're so kind of soft, you know, and like kind of springy. And they also, they require some extra humidity. So, you know, it forces you to make your home a little bit more humid, which I think is kind of cozy. And they just, they grow like, um, sometimes you see them growing like on the sides of waterfalls, kind of like on just, you know, through rocks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, I just feel like they're, they're kind of a very special underrated plant. I agree fully. I've always wanted to have ferns, but I think I love them so much. I'm afraid to invite them into my home and then murder them because <laughs> they are more, a little more difficult. Well, I always tell people, you know, most of these plants that we that we love and that are, you know, really kind of popular and trendy, especially are, you know, they're jungle plants. They're like rainforest plants. And if you're in Los Angeles, like we are, you're we're already practically in the desert. So, you know, we have to like really kind of overcompensate for that. And then also we have, you know, really hot weather. So you add air conditioning to that and our air is just, you know, a hundred times drier than anywhere mm-hmm. in the rainforest. Um, and we try to force these these jungle plants into these dry environments. I always recommend if people have any light in a bathroom to put plants like ferns in there because that's kind of their their happy place and where they thrive. And you can sing to them in the shower. So there's, exactly. a, there's that added yes. component. <laughs> yes, and they love that. <laughs> oh, I love the idea of each plant having their happy place. You know, like my, my yeah. happy place is my couch with, you know, a wine watching TLC. <laughs> the ferns <laughs> is the bathroom. <laughs> Everyone has their place in line. Exactly. <laughs> I sometimes even the, the, I don't have light in my bathroom, but I'll sometimes take like my plants that like, really love extra humidity like I'll sometimes just take them into the bathroom with me if I'm taking like a hot steamy shower you know just to kind of give them a little spa time yeah (laughs) sweet (laughs) lucky fern Um, so flipping Matt's question what's a plant that you personally find super cozy but doesn't necessarily present that way to the world cacti you know they don't they don't really present as very cozy but I feel like the whole like desert aesthetic that's very you know with all the neutral colors and everything is is kind of very cozy and they're also so low maintenance that I think the spikiness doesn't really present as cozy but I feel like their overall feel is oh yeah I I love cacti too and I agree they're very easy to take care of at least when they're outside because I have yes, some yes. inside they have enough sunlight. <laughs> yes I think that was my big uh regret bringing them inside the house I should have kept it on my patio yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that didn't click for me um and until I used to well even the windowsill isn't enough I don't think at least in my experience what I feel like is kind of hard to, you know, 
wrap your mind around, but is a fact is that outdoors, even if it's a shady spot outdoors, it's still more light than a bright spot indoors. Oh. It's hard to understand because it doesn't look like that, but there's so much diffused light everywhere outside. Whereas inside, you know, even in a bright spot, it's it's just less. That's a that's a game changing tip. I right? never yeah. thought about like that. Very good point. <laughs> You've saved so many cacti. Yeah. <laughs> Future cacti, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> They're so reliable when you do care for them properly, which they are easy given you meet X amount of basic parameters. They just stick with you. They're they're much more resilient. And on that note. For those of us who like don't have green thumbs, are there any varieties of plant that you recommend for maybe beginner plant owners that are the least difficult to kill? Um, the the plant that I always always recommend for for beginners is the ZZ plant. It has very similar um, care instructions as snake plants, but I think they're actually even easier. They don't need a whole lot of light. They're, they do fine in, in low light, and they kind of just really thrive on neglect. They only need water about once a month, and if you skip a month, then, you know, that's okay. They're totally forgiving. Um, and they're just really beautiful, and, you know, and you can get, like, very small ones, and they grow up to, like, a few feet tall, and, you know, they still they look really stunning, and they still have that very, like, jungly feel to them. Um but they're just they're just so so easy. That's a great tip. Sometimes it's just finding those entry level plants <laughs> exactly. to build up the capacity to some of the more difficult ones that require very unique like routines to make sure that they thrive. You know, I think that's the thing that makes people think that they have brown thumbs is they start with difficult plants. And, you know, and when that doesn't work out, they just kind of give up. I think if you if you start with the with the easier ones and kind of build up your confidence. I could imagine a coffee table book called Thriving on Neglect. And they're all adorable (laughs) entry level plans. And I also love the idea of a a brown thumb not really being a brown thumb. I think, Matt, maybe we're too hard on ourselves. We need those entry level plans, build up the confidence, like you said. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I always tell people that, you know, I don't think there's really such a thing as a as a brown thumb or a black thumb. I think I think it's just that people don't have the right, you know, plant education. Yes, very true. But if we don't go with a plant that thrives on neglect, <laughs> what are some signs we're just overall failing our plants and what's a sign that we could get them healthy again? So they're not too far gone. I think there, there's two different kinds of people when I go to do consultations. There's people whose plants are all super happy and, you know, there might be like a tiny bit of like a brown edge or something and, you know, and they think that they're doing everything wrong. <laughs> and and then there's, you know, and then there's people who all their plants are completely dead. <laughs> but I think that, you know, knowing that they're living things and not expecting them to thrive all the time and all year round, you know, is really important. Like, you know, we can't be expected to thrive all the time. So 
they can't be expected to either, you know, (laughs) Um, and just knowing that, you know, there's a cycle of life to things and they're just, you know, it's normal for them to, to lose leaves, you know, it's normal for leaves to brown or yellow, but if it's just, if it's a few, if it's like one or two leaves, then, you know, then it's fine. But if it's, you know, if it's very, very many, um, then it's more of a problem. So, and it, you know, and they kind of give you signs. It usually it happens more so over time, you know, just noticing in the beginning and not letting it get too bad. I think also, you know, like you were saying with your problem with scale, checking for that kind of thing is really important because, you know, if you, if you check for pests and you see them in the very beginning, they're easier to get rid of. But once it's kind of covered, because you have to look really closely to actually see them. And once it's covered, they're almost impossible to get rid of, mm-hmm. as you probably know, Matt. Yeah, that it was it was so heartbreaking because I, I started mm-hmm. to to work on it. And then I felt like I got a lot of them off. And then it it, it almost felt traumatic for the plant, too, because <laughs> I mean, it was because it, it was easy to like accidentally like oh great now i just ripped off a part of this plan <laughs> trying to like rub off the scale yeah. detecting early always is best yeah detecting early and then knowing you know like in the winter plants generally don't do as well and knowing like when at certain times times of the season like you need to cut back on watering so you know fall and winter you water about half as much as you do in spring and summer Um, I think that's kind of the biggest pitfall that people have is they keep their same routines all year round and plants need the less light they have, the less water they need. So you kind of have to keep an eye on that. And I really loved how you mentioned people might give up too early on their plant because it is showing just some normal signs of that cycle of going through the year. And it reminds me that my father-in-law, he's an expert at like rescuing plants. Like he's always taking some depressing little like twig (laughs) next to a garbage bin and then you'll you'll come come to their place like two years later and it's thriving and doing amazingly and it goes to show that like so many people just give up on their plants way too early yeah absolutely yeah this is kind of pulling on all my heartstrings the way we're i mean they're they're little people and <laughs> i've been i've been, i've been expecting them to be perfect i've not given them the opportunity to rebound and i'm i'm learning so many lessons i think that you know the most important things that people underestimate is um number 1 is light you know light is very very important and you know most plants really house plants thrive in bright indirect light and a lot of times they're just there just isn't enough for them to be really happy. Um, but you know, if you live in a dark apartment, you can always get a grow light. Mm-hmm. They're not very expensive. They're like twenty or thirty dollars, and they make such a huge difference in your plants. Um, you know, they kind of mimic like the the rays of the sun, and they keep them really happy. So you know, grow lights have been a huge game changer for a lot of my clients. Yeah, and just and just watering correctly. Like most plants like to dry out in between waterings. So, you know, I think the best thing that we can do and the best way we can build relationships with our plants is just by like kind of really feeling them. Like I like to stick my fingers in the soil and, you know, to find out if they're thirsty or not, you know, and I think that's, that's the most 
you know, I think people stick to schedules too much instead of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of really seeing what their plants need. You have a more intuitive relationship mm-hmm. with the plant. Yeah, exactly. As a professional plant shopper, mm-hmm. I would love to know what kind of tips do you have for folks when they're going out to purchase plants? Are there any things that you're looking for specifically when you're checking out a variety, like signs that a plant is healthy or phases of growth you prefer to purchase in? I mean, I definitely purchase in a lot of different phases, um, but I think checking for pests is really important because, you know, you never know. It could happen anywhere um, that you buy them. Um, I don't like to say negative things about places, but Home Depot plants, you know, where people shop for plants often, they've been known to to have a lot of pests. So, you know, just kind of checking really carefully and you want to check in like the nooks and crannies kind of like, like in the edges of leaves, like, you know, anywhere that anything can burrow into, um, just checking closely and checking, you know, against the stems and everything and making sure that you don't see any like little bugs or anything, um, or any like white fuzz. Cause that's also, mm. um, it's also a sign of pests. So that's definitely the most important thing that I check for. What are the common pests that you find most frequently in plants that are in stores like Home Depot? Scale is the most, the one that I find the most. And scale doesn't really look like bugs. It looks like just little bumps. They can be yeah. um, black, brown, red. Um, and they're just little bumps that kind of are sticking onto the plant and they're hard to rub off of them. Um, that's actually, that's actually a little bug and they, um, like kind of suck the sap out of plants. Um, and that's another thing. If you see any sticky sap on the plants, that's usually, that usually is a sign of pests. Um, so scale. And then the other one is mealy bugs and mealy bugs just kind of look like, like white fuzz, like tiny, like teeny, teeny, tiny little cotton balls. Those are, those are the two that I see the most. Yeah, take it from me. You don't want to wrangle with scale, so check those ahead of time when you're buying. <laughs> yes. um, and it sometimes you can't see it, so I also recommend when you do bring a plant home, um, you don't want to put it next to your other plants for the first couple weeks. So you kind of want to, you know, in case you, because you can't always see the pests, so you want to keep them, you know, at least six feet away, you know, kind of. We all know so, socially distanced away. exactly, um, <laughs> and quarantined from the rest of your plants, just in case. <laughs> well, speaking of quarantine, but a different kind. Uh, <laughs> during the, the pandemic, we're all huddled up indoors, and a lot of us have small apartments and small pit spaces. And like you said, a lot of folks bought ton of plants during the pandemic, and probably were overloaded by it and didn't realize what they were getting into. So I'm curious, what's an easy hack for creating a cozy environment with plants in a small space, like an apartment? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, hanging plants definitely helps. Um, that's a great way, you know, if you don't have a lot of surface area, they look very pretty and they kind of give height. It's also like a less expensive way to have, you know, like a tall plant sort of, um, you know, and to have something kind of closer to the ceiling. Um, and then also just, you know, kind of having like 
sticking little plants all over the place, like on, on shelves and tabletops, you know, having some small guys, like there's, there's really small snake plants that, you know, don't need a ton of light and are, and are really easy. Um, you know, I kind of like to just kind of put them in all the little nooks and crannies that you can also air plants are really great. Um, yeah. you know, cause they don't even need a pot and they're, and they can be pretty, pretty small guys that, you know, just sort of look like decoration. Yeah. Sometimes I put air plants in repurposed candle jars. Oh, I love I that. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found that really, um, a, a, a sweet little thing, um, to do, yeah. but I never had thought about hanging plants. I don't know why it seems obvious, but when, when you said it, it clicked and it's really an easy way to beautify a small space. Yeah, exactly. Are there any ways that we should consider arranging plants? Like, let's say you have them in a cluster, right? You're mm-hmm. kind of creating, like, is that advisable? <laughs> or, like, <laughs> is, is there a better way to kind of, like, group your plants? Or am I overthinking it and it's just light is the main factor? <laughs> um, it's definitely advisable, especially if they like similar kinds of light. But especially because plants kind of they create their own sort of little biodomes. (laughs) Um, They, you know, and they, there's studies saying that they communicate with each other. So I do really like to cluster them because, you know, I just think it's very sweet. Um, They also create um, humidity around them. So having plants clustered together makes for a more humid environment that they're happier in. I really like that. As far as aesthetically, I think just having different different heights and textures looks really good. Like I love to do like three plants together, you know, something maybe a little bit taller and then something a little bit bushier, you know, and then maybe something that's like a more striking color or something that hangs a little bit to like, you know, give give it a lot of dimension. And how does that equation change when you're installing plants in a business? Because I imagine like, some you know the, the client will have specific visions in their head about like what plants are in the space. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Like how how does how do you get from starting to work with a, a bar or restaurant and then getting to the place where the plants are in there? What's that process? I usually come in and and do a consultation with a business first, um, just to kind of see like you know obviously what the light is like, but also where they're you know, vents are and things to, you know, I always try to keep plants out of the way of vents. I used to manage bars and I know kind of, you know, what goes into that and how drunk people like to throw their things <laughs> into plants, <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a more difficult environment because, you have so many people and a lot of them decide that they want to take care of the plants and they'll, you know, when there's like extra water left over, people are always throwing them into the plants. Mm. Um, you know, because they, you know, they think that it's, that it's a good thing, but it's not just kind of being aware of like what kind of a business it is and, you know, where the plants are going to be and how accessible they are to customers, um, is really important. If it's a bar type of environment, I kind of try to keep them not right in front of people where they're easy to get to because, you know, people like to mess with plants a lot. Um, And, you know, so that's definitely a factor. Um, I try to do plants that are really, really easy to take care of, um, but that still, you know, have a really kind of stunning quality to them. Um, 
you know, sometimes when, when they're out of kind of, you know, direct eyesight, like I do a lot of plants up high, um, for businesses. Um, and sometimes I will use bow plants for that, you know, just to make it kind of as easy as possible for people. I think, you know, most places just want things that are easy and out of the way as much as possible. I never knew all these plants and restaurants and bars were at risk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, I, I guess I never put much much thought into it. I don't know. But... I've, I, I've seen, like, kids, like, picking at plants in restaurants. Or, oh, all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's there's um, one of my one of my friends took over the Silver Lake Lounge in Silver Lake, and we were trying to decide what plants to put out front. And we decided on cacti because, you know, they're – because we didn't want people messing with them. And we were like, if people touch them and it hurts, they'll stop, you know? <laughs> um, but it didn't stop them. They still, one got stolen. Yeah, yeah. They get, that's the thing they get. I've had a lot of plants um, from outdoors and indoors get stolen. I did a wine bar a couple years ago and someone, um, and it was New Year's Eve right after, and someone threw up in a plant that mm. night. <laughs> yeah. Sounds on brand. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, trying to keep them away from people is is very helpful. I was imagining these plants in restaurants and bars, like the toys and toy story with that evil little kid who chops them up (laughs) and and, and they're begging, guess it, and they're begging for help. Um, (laughs) We can't hear them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what a great compliment, though, that your plants are well-chosen so much so that people just steal them right out of the restaurant. <laughs> you know, that happened. I did, I actually did Mohawk Bend right before the pandemic, like a few months beforehand. And when it shut down and it was closed for a while, all the, like, I mean, it's a, there, there's so many in the patio out front and like all of them got stolen before they reopened. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad they're having a revival. Thank you. <laughs> and that their plants are looked after and safe again. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, Marina, thank you so much for taking the time to join us to, first of all, educate us. Jillian, do you have like a, a, a better idea now how to take care of that snake plant? Yes, I do. I really learned a lot. The biggest thing personally is that I need to have a relationship with my plants. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I really need to relate to them have a in, into intuitive dialogue with them and also just hearing that they need company. All of my plants are scattered about and they're in their they're single. Yeah. <laughs> give me on a give me on a day not Jillian, let me let me meet some folks. I my plants are craving connection. I, and also the other thing, the fact that it's better to have a plant outside in the shade versus on a windowsill where I think that it's Sun City, but really they would do better outside. So I learned so much and it was amazing talking to you and also how you describe plants. I think you could have your own podcast just describing all the different kinds of plants you paint. Such lovely and cozy visuals. Thank you. Thank you so much. I do think that most plants on a windowsill are great and really happy and, you know, and it protects them from the weather. True. too like I think more you know kind of plants that are like a little bit gentler um but 
as far as like cacti and succulents go, those always do better outside. And then as far as talking to plants, you know, there's definitely, I think that, that they enjoy the company, but there is actually also, you know, a kind of scientific reason for that because, you know, they thrive on the carbon dioxide that comes out of our mouths that we breathe out. So, you know, so talking to them, talking near them is actually, you know, scientifically sound also. They're the one thing that we can talk to that they don't want the personal space. Right. (laughs) Breathe right on them. Yes. Yes. Speaking of visuals, um, your Instagram is so beautiful. Can you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you online? Yes. My Instagram handle is at Vesca Botanicals. It's V-E-S-C-A Botanicals. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, you know, not the best at social media. I try really hard. I finally had some professional photos taken. Um, I have a photographer friend, Kat Hanegraaff, who's incredible. And I feel like I finally am able to present the plants in, you know, in the way they're meant to be and not not the way that um, I've been trying to in the past. Well, and I think you've been representing them great. I mean, I love you. your captions that are full of information. I, they're yes. beautiful already, so I can't even wait to see this next level. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm just, you know, out there trying to educate people, keep the plants alive. Thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you Thank so you. much. Such a pleasure. Well, now that our thumbs are a little greener, <laughs> let's wind down with some soothing sounds. Jillian, what sound is soothing you this week? So I came across this lovely track called Softly. It's by Arlo Parks. It was released on February 1st. And it's the first bit of new music from Arlo after her critically acclaimed debut album, Collapsed in Sunbeams, which is the most lovely album title I've ever heard. I don't know what it means. I honestly can't really visualize it, but it just sounds beautiful and cozy. And ironically, this song is sunny and dancey and fun but it's about getting dumped so it's this weird juxtaposition but it really works and you can't help but want to move and smile so let's give it a listen softly by arlo parks I don't even want to turn this song off to talk about it with you. It is such a bop. It really is. You just want to shimmy around your apartment, dance. Yeah, the piano sound. It's like it's so crisp and deep, the tone. I love this song. Oh, well, add to your cozy playlist. I, I, I definitely will. I think this is, I'm surprised this isn't like a huge hit. I This is a really great song. Yeah, I, ha- I have to get into Collapse and Sunbeams. I haven't listened to the album that was released in 2021, but that was a like I said, critically acclaimed. So I can only imagine what's to come from Arlo. This is a great pick. Thank you, Jillian. Yeah. What's where you, what's in your ears this week, Matt? Jillian, you and I are both familiar with the band Beach House. They are um, a Baltimore band that, funnily enough, you lived in the lead singer's old apartment building. <laughs> yes. This is how I re- found out. Because all of the old mail from the tenants would get strewn about in the little mail center. And I just happened to see the name of the lead singer on, on a lot of mail. And so that's where they 
That's one of one of them at least used to live, which is super cool. Her junk mail gave her away. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they have a brand new album that just came out on February 18th called Once Twice Melody. And I want to call out in particular the track New Romance. It's funny. Usually Jillian's the one recommending the dream pop on this show. <laughs> and this week it's me. Beach House songs do tend to be melancholy, uh, both in content and in sound. Um, especially early on, she had like a much more like husky delivery to her vocals mm-hmm. that you couldn't always even understand what she's saying. It's like the mood of the vocal was more important than the content of the lyric uh, in some way. But her new sound is a little crisper. And what I really like about this track in particular is the playfulness of singing ILY SFM. I love you so blanking much. <laughs> a cozy podcast, you can't say it. Can't say it, but you, you know what that F is. Yeah, so so that kind of like that mixed in, it's still, you know, whatever. For, it's cozy for them, I would say. Let's take a listen to New Romance by Beach House. meditative yeah i mean all their songs kind of like they're they're droney so they pull you in but i just think i i really love this like kind of cycle that it introduces which is well i messed up again time to dress up and love another person well, <laughs> oh, i messed it, up again time to dress up and love another person i like how it lets your mind create these movie like images yeah. for the the headlights running down the wall i mean we can always imagine waiting for someone or just even lying in bed and seeing headlights cross the ceiling. It's a very uh, cozy yet haunting, lovely image. And I was just imagining all these pictures and pictures in my brain. <laughs> it sounds weird. I got pictures in my brain. <laughs> but, <laughs> lots of pics up in ones there. Too. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I love this. It's a throwback, but it definitely is a different sound too. Like you said. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I it was a delightful, like, I was listening through the album, and this one stood out as, I think all, all their music sounds, to some extent, cozy, because it does have that meditativeness to it, and that, mm-hmm. that, that dream pop does so well. This one in particular had a little bit more of, like, a playfulness to it that I enjoyed. Yeah, well, that dream pop. You gotta have it. One of us <laughs> has to bring it to the table. Yeah. I'm not only dreaming of, but I'm sniffing on a candle. It's time for our scented candle review. And I have the candle this week. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I wanted to find something that would honor our topic for today, which obviously is plants, plants, plants. So I picked the blue agave and cactus scented candle from Threshold, which is, yes, Target's label. (laughs) So it's very accessible and affordable. It's only $10 at Target, Um, $5 if you pick the smaller size. It's really straightforward. It's giving you like a blue agave and cactus with notes of melon and sage. The scent, if I can describe it, it really does. You know that if you put your face in like a leafy green plant Hmm. and you just smell the leaf, you know, it's not necessarily like a floral scent. It's like it smells green. I know that sounds ridiculous. Maybe it smells fresh. It's kind of it smells fresh. It smells green, Jillian. It smells like a color. (laughs) 
Okay, it smells green. And so in that way, I think I think this actually really delivers it really well. It's when I first read the 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 notes on the scents, it's like the melon. I was like, who added the melon? Get this out of here. That's what I was when you said hints of melon and, and sage. I I was very confused. Yeah, but I think the melon is important because it everything else is so light. It kind of brings in that kind of sweet mm. freshness that you do get from like a that smell of like if you ever were to like break a cactus leaf. You know what I'm talking about? That kind of moist yes. sweet smell. It does it brings it. And I think that melon was really well chosen because it it evokes that. I really love the scent. It's like super fresh. It is it is a little on the floral side, but it's not like a sweet smell. It's a very fresh mm-hmm. smell. And I, I really do feel like I'm in a little cactus garden right now. Oh, that sounds lovely. Now, now you sold it for me. It's a one <laughs> wick up. Love a little cactus garden. It's all, all yeah. I need. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to give this a wick up. I, I was a little nervous because of the melon, um, but I, I needn't have feared it. Uh, it. It does add a dimension, and I understand why they blended those scents. There you go. A win by Target. They have so many. I, I feel like I wonder how, what percentage of our candle reviews are Target, but <laughs> let's be real. We've all been like, you know, we're in the aisles, we're running our errands, and you just want to treat yourself. Like, I want one thing that I get from this place to be for me and for fun. And if you do see the blue agave and cactus candle, give it a shot. Before we go, we do have um, some shout outs. Yeah. So for this installment of episode shout outs, we want to highlight fundraiser marina is doing to assist her loved ones who at the time of this recording are in ukraine fighting for their lives and freedom so if you're able and would like to help you can send donations to her venmo handle which is vesco botanicals v-e-s-c-a botanicals the same as her instagram handle which we highlighted earlier in the episode and she has also shared information about her friends and family on her page if you'd like more information if you're able to lend some support, a great cause, and um, we, we're wishing the best to Marina and her family. Yes. Switching gears, we're happy to announce All Things Cozy is doing a Cozy Mystery book giveaway for Patreon subscribers. I have here a copy of two of my favorite styles of Cozy Mystery. That is to say, a holiday omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> we have one copy of Halloween Party Murder by Leslie Meyer, Lee Hollis, and Barbara Ross, and a copy of Christmas Card Murder by Leslie Meyer, Lee Hollis, and Peggy Earhart. Each will go to a lucky Patreon subscriber. We will announce the winners of the contest on March 27th. And if you're listening to this now and you're not a Patreon subscriber, you still have a a shot to join up and win one of these books. Um, If you join by March 20th, 2022, Um, you'll be in the running. If you're already a Patreon subscriber, you don't need to do anything. You're already in the running to get one of these books. Just a a small token of our appreciation for our subscribers. Yeah. Good luck and happy reading. Well, Jillian, I have to go take a shower with my plant. It needs a little humidity, so I'm going to go ahead and do that now. Yeah, take it to the spa. We'll be back in your ears with more coziness in just a couple more weeks and with the winners of that Cozy Mystery giveaway again on March 27th. Until then, stay stay cozy. cozy.